This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have it. Today, we are talking about steak. Some call it the king of meats. I don't, it seems like it should be called that. I don't, I don't think it ever actually is, though. Who calls it the king of meats? Ad copy? <laughs> I do. I call it the king of meats. <laughs> well, um, you know, we've discussed hamburgers before. Yes. The we've... king of, of ground meat sandwiches. Yes. Um, anyway, but, you know, I'm kind of excited to just delve into steak today because there are so many different things that we call steak. And, right. And, uh, Salisbury steak. For one, for one. <laughs> Gosh, all of a sudden, I just had this um, this mental image of like one of those little compartment plates that you get in a TV dinner. Oh yeah, yeah with the strawberry steak and the uh, yeah. right and the and the maybe some brownie. soggy carrots. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. So there's so many things that call themselves steak. There's so many different. <laughs> <laughs> I call myself steak. Yeah. <clears throat> there's so many different cuts that can be called steak. Right. There's sort of different versions of cooking methods. What are I mean, what are we talking about anyway when we talk about steak? I feel like we're talking we're talking about beef. First of all, we should we should clarify that. And um so Although there are cut salmon steaks. Yes, which we're not talking about today, oh. which is why I said beef. <laughs> okay. Uh I think I think we're talking about cuts of beef uh that can be eaten uh rare not that don't have to be braised and mm-hmm. are and are thin enough to be cooked fairly quickly mm-hmm. yeah and even even steaks that are on the sort of ropier sinewier is that even a word side yeah. like one of the ones we'll be eating today skirt steak uh even that can be cooked and eaten fairly quickly so, oh yeah yeah um what what was your childhood steak experience like my childhood steak experience well i really loved it for one thing and i could eat a lot of it. Like, I remember when I was a kid, you know, early, you know, preteen years, uh, like demolishing like a 12 ounce steak, which there's no way I could eat today. Did you ever go to one of those places where you get a prize if you eat like a 72 ounce steak? I totally did. I did not (laughs) myself order the 72 ounce steak, but I did go to one of those places in Portland that had the pictures up on the wall of like the uh, scary guys posing next to their 72 ounce ounce steaks. Uh, I liked I liked steaks. I liked my steak uh, plain and 
basically mostly remember uh, wanting uh, my parents to cut it up into bites and sprinkling salt on it. And, and it how, was and well done. How old were you when you stopped wanting them to cut it up for you? I mean, I, you did ask me to cut up your steak for you today. Right. Before the show. That's you true. You kind of cleared that with me. I don't, I don't remember, but way, way, like late enough that I should be ashamed. Well, you know, I had a pacifier till I was five. So really? yeah, that makes two of us. You uh, should be ashamed. Yep. So wait, but wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, I, I okay. do want to get back to one thing you said that the steaks were well done. Yeah, I was. I was one of those kids who did not want to see a hint of pink meat. And did the rest of your family eat it rare? I mean, I like your mom. Yeah, I think of your mom in particular as like a great, like an incredible food knowledge that woman has. Mm-hmm. Did she like her steak well done? No. Because I was going to say she. I feel like you know the more into food you are, the more blood you want to see on your plate. That's true. <laughs> So I had some good childhood steak experiences. My um, my dad, in general, always loved to buy beef from Crescent Market, which I think I've mentioned before on the show is this small grocery store in Oklahoma City that actually just closed recently. It's the only carpeted grocery store I've ever seen. It had, sounds like a disaster. It had red carpet. I, mean, I, throughout I get the entire skeezed store. out when I see a carpeted bathroom. So my dad would buy this beef at Crescent Market because he believed that the butchers there were great. And uh, he, like your mom, loved rare beef. I'm actually not sure how he would cook it, maybe on the stovetop, I don't know, maybe on the grill. But anyway, um, I'm sure that we were eating decent meat, although, you know, uh, probably not not by the standards that we can get today in, right. you know, in big cities. But, um, you know... What's interesting to me, I, I, I always had this sort of love-hate relationship with steak in that when it was delicious, it was so delicious. But, you know, the, the tastiest part of steak, the part that's really, that's well marbled, right? That's got uh-huh. a decent amount of fat in it. When that fat gets a little less than hot, a little tending toward room temperature... I do not like the feel of that in my mouth. So I'm sure you'll see when we eat the steak that we're going to eat today that I I look like some sort of fat phobe or something when I'm eating steak because I I cut off all these chunks of fat because I can't stand how they feel in my mouth. Are you going to leave a pile of, of discards? Probably. Uh, I'm sorry. I feel like this makes me like a bad food lover or something. No, no. I think it makes you like um, like an old lady with dentures. <laughs> Even better. Great. Uh, should we go ahead and cook some steak and eat it? Yes, please. I'm hungry. Okay. So what are we... Should we talk about what we're going to cook? Yeah. Or so how, uh, how, how Molly was kind this? enough to uh, um, bring home the bacon, to bring the steak in. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Molly got the steak. Uh, it's from Skagit River Ranch, uh, which is uh, a great organic meat producer in Washington. Um, it is 100% grass-fed beef, and she brought one ribeye steak and a skirt steak. And we're going to cook them, you know, in an almost identical fashion. We're going to cook both of them on the stovetop. Yeah. And uh, at this point, I should confess that while I have witnessed and aided in the cooking of many steaks. Can I get a witness? Sounded like I was going to confess to a murder. <laughs> um, I, I've never actually cooked a steak. I feel How like, can that be? Uh, well, okay, so you you had nine years when I was not eating red meat, right? right. Okay, so... <laughs> but, but, but you were still cooking it just for fun, right? Oh, yeah, all the time. Then I just throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. No, um... 
I feel like, um, for one thing, we just sort of don't eat a whole lot of meat at home. Sure. Um, but for another thing, I don't know. I you know until recently, I think I was quite intimidated by it. Is it because like- you have a man to cook steak for you? Oh, shit, <laughs> you're right. I didn't want to talk about this. Oh no. Um, I don't mean you know like what, you know what what's what's twisted about I don't mean it. Like is- a manservant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a footman. Yeah. Um, you know what's really twisted about it is that until like four years ago, Brandon was a vegetarian and had never even eaten steak. And now I defer to him and let him cook my steak. Oh, wow. I, I, the depths of this pathological behavior, the, yeah. the depths are deep. But anyway, I was going to say that um, until recently, I was intimidated by it because I didn't have um, a thermometer that I really trusted. <laughs> I think it's as simple as that. I think that um, the the best, most consistent way, or the, the way to be most comfortable with cooking something that you can't see inside of while you're cooking it, right? Is get a good thermometer, and you can do anything. Yeah, it's like how I don't have a moral compass, and I think if I got one of those, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad that was funny because I didn't have any punchline to go with it. Um, <laughs> I um. I, I totally agree with you, and yeah, I have I have the same thermometer as you. I think the Thermapen, the the expensive but really really quick and accurate instant have, read thermometer. Have, have we approached Thermapen to see if maybe they'll pay us to talk about them? Uh, yeah, Thermapen, it's great. Great. Uh, however, having said that, I am extremely envious of uh, I I met this chef who uh, who is like the corporate chef for a for a uh, chain of steakhouses. And I asked him, so, like, how do you test your steaks for doneness? I expect him to say, you know, like, I just poke it with my finger. He's like, uh, what do you mean, check them for doneness? I just, like, look at them, and I can tell. And, I hate and, him. Yeah, hate right. Him. And he, it was true. He was not, this was no idle boast. And I don't know how he does it. I think that is probably the best superpower you could have. Have you, have you heard the John Hodgman piece on This American Life where he goes around asking people if they could fly, if they would rather be able to fly or be invisible? No. Because both of those answers are wrong. The correct answer is be able to tell the doneness of a steak by looking at it. <laughs> and this guy had it, and I never will. Uh, because I'm not going to cook 700 steaks a day like him. Well, and I would also add that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do the press it and see if it feels like a part of your hand or your earlobe or something. Like, yeah, I don't really. I mean, I can that. I can press a steak and say this is definitely very rare. Would you quit pressing on my earlobe? Sorry, <laughs> I can definitely press on a steak and say, "Wow, this is bloody inside." Yes, yeah. And I can definitely press on a steak and say, oh, my gosh, this is inedibly overcooked. Yeah, it's the middle, middle it's part the middle where the magic happens that is so hard to discern. Should we try to go make some magic happen in the kitchen now? Yes. Okay. Let's start eating this steak. Let's start eating. Okay. And we've got a ribeye steak, and we've got some skirt steak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and some sauce. And that is our entire lunch, <laughs> unless you count ice cream. <laughs> so let's start with the ribeye. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I feel like, you know, of the two steaks we're eating today, this is the one that, uh, you know, that to me says steak. Yeah, if it's uh, if it says anything, however, it's not finished cooking. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're tasting it first on its own. Matthew made a beautiful pan sauce, but... Oh, mm. baby. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, what do you think about that? I love this. This is... Uh, Exactly, uh, exactly the sort of steak that would have scared me when I was a kid. Why is that? 
because it's not already cut already cut up into bites, <laughs> and uh, it has some pink to it. So tell me how you would describe the flavor of this as opposed to uh, another cut, like say for instance, um, maybe a. Uh, Maybe the skirt steak right over here that you're <laughs> yeah, looking at. Yeah. Well, I, I think ribeye. If you if you like a tender steak, uh, then I think ribeye has the best flavor, the most beefy flavor of all the tender steaks. Yeah. I, can I just keep eating? Yeah. <laughs> hey, quick question for you. Mm-hmm. You didn't. Oh, you did put pepper on here, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's important on a steak? Well, I don't. I don't think there should be an unyielding rule that uh, if you have a steak, you have to pepper it. But they, the flavors do kind of go well together. They do, and I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I think of, you know, that picture that's in the back of so many magazines. That's like a filet mignon from Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like crusted in black peppercorns or something? Yeah, I think so. Um, do you ever do you ever read uh, the the airline magazine and there's all, there are all these ads for like you know the top three steakhouses according to the person who made this ad right and, McCormick uh, and Schmick Ruth's right. Chris um, I I know that those things are completely fraudulent and yet I still um, think uh, you know while while I'm um, temporarily insane uh, in the confines of the of the aircraft I think boy I'd like to go to those top three steakhouses that looks good. <laughs> Hey, do you think we're burning the shit out of the skirt steak on the stove right now? Yeah, maybe. I'll go check it out. Meanwhile, <clears throat> I'm just sitting here continuing to eat steak in red wine sauce. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I'm hard-pressed to say whether I like it better with or without the sauce. Because <clears throat> I really just love that pure, beefy steak flavor. Well, I think I think one of the reasons that I like flank steak and uh, the other... Uh, chewy steak so much is that they uh they kind of invite sauce and i do i do think you can't improve on a perfect uh, uh perfectly cooked salt and pepper ribeye steak but i really like putting sauce on things yeah yeah which is weird because you're the anti-condiment man that is weird isn't this weird i mean you don't like mayonnaise you kind of aren't even that into salad dressing i'm really i'm complex i contain multitudes <laughs> nicely spoken walt thanks nicely spoken mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like I should chill out now because I'm feeding my face and we haven't even gotten to the stirt the stirt stirt skake. Okay, let's try some stirt skake. Okay. <laughs> this is so complicated. So much meat, so much recording equipment on a moderately sized table. It's got um like a lighter kind of a minerally quality to it. It does, and and kind of a, um, a gamey livery flavor that is not, definitely not unpleasant, but sort of on the verge. Mm-hmm. I know. I was just thinking, do I want to take a second bite before you put sauce on it? <laughs> hmm. So my question to you is, why not just make a hamburger and put some sauce on it? If you want, if 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 the steak is going to be just a conduit for getting sauce to your mouth. But no, no, it's not. That's not what I'm saying. Why don't you just make some sauce and drink it? (laughs) Why don't you just marry the sauce? Why don't you just take this podcast and... 
No. Shove it. You you misunderstand because I mean this this almost overly flavorful steak is is the kind of steak that you can you can hear it through the the luscious din of a chimichurri, a salsa, an A1 steak sauce. You just said luscious din. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Busted. that like a riot girl band from the 90s yeah luscious din mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah you know i gotta say my allegiances lie with with the ribeye i feel like that makes me somehow a lesser meat eater i feel like that makes me tame like does this mean that i only like no. the missionary position <laughs> um I, I i think for a lot of people who are really into steak ribeye is the steak it, it is, it, you know, what I love about it is, as we were just talking about, you get this part that's like really marbled, that's kind of chewy, that's um, tender but chewy, and it's got a lot of flavor. And then you also get this sort of leaner part that's got this beautiful, tight texture, really nice to slice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just, it's so flavorful and delicious with just salt and pepper. It's a steak for all seasons. <laughs> I'm Walt Whitman. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> okay. So basically, uh, I like to just get a pan really hot with a little oil in it, uh, put plenty of salt and pepper on the steak and sear it on both sides until it's done to my liking in the middle and then let it rest on a plate uh, with tented with foil for five minutes and then it's done. And done to your liking. So today we did this one so that it would be medium rare yeah. in the middle. And it was what temperature? Ideally, when you pull it. Uh, like 125, 130. Because it's going to keep climbing as it right. rests. And, okay. and yes, and thank you to Molly for, yeah, I mean, you, you claim you've never cooked a steak, and yet you told me, like, check that. And uh, I, I was like, no, there's no way it's done yet. And it was done. Uh, maybe my skill is, like, steak cookery supervision. Right. Yeah. It's supervision, like, like Superman supervision. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, what I'm trying to say is that I could tell it was done just by looking that's, at it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. You, you have the gift. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so we cooked these steaks the same way, despite the fact that they're really very different. Right. So the thick, we, we cooked like a one inch thick ribeye and then a skirt steak, which is always uh, like, you know, half an inch thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we didn't cook them for the same amount of time, certainly, uh, but uh, we seared them on both sides until they were done. Mm-hmm. And the skirt steak was definitely more done. You want it to be more done than the than Yeah, the well, the skirt steak and flank steak particularly, um, if uh, they're truly rare, they're too tough, yeah. I think. Um, they need to be at least, like between medium rare and medium is, is where I like it. And you can cook those all the way through, which is what, you know, you often find for like tacos and it's great. And the other thing with those is to be sure to cut them or slice them against the grain of the muscle. Yeah. Otherwise you will be chewing and chewing. You'll need a chewing superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at home, whenever Brandon and I cook steak, notice how I said Brandon and I. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, um, Putting we, yourself in the mix now. We will often buy, I guess, what is uh, what is often sold as a, a rib steak. Uh-huh. Um, if fancy places will put it on the menu as a Cote de Boeuf. Uh, which coast, is coast of beef. Coast of beef. <laughs> Side of beef, whatever. <laughs> which is basically, um, basically is that- a ribeye, isn't it? But in, in this case, the one that we buy is double thick. It tends to be oh, bigger. Yeah. Uh, a Cote de Boeuf does. So it's ideal for two people. It's still got the bone in it. I think that is what differentiates it from a uh, like a ribeye that we had yeah. today. Um, anyway, it is nicely marbled. And the thing is, when you have a steak like that that is getting pretty thick, you can't just do the method you did today. There's no, no. way to... 
no way to get that center cooked through. So our favorite method at home for cooking steaks is to sear it on the stovetop, get it nice and brown, and then put it in the oven and just keep monitoring the temperature there. Yeah. So that's that's kind of our favorite, the combo stove oven. Thing. And that's and that's what they, they often do at restaurants uh, mm-hmm. to cook it steaks. Is. One thing I would put out there, if, uh, if you really love a tender steak, there is this cooking method uh, developed by Kenji Alt uh, when he was at Cook's Illustrated Magazine. He writes for Serious Eats now, where you start the steak in the oven at a low in a low oven for quite a while, and then finish it on the stove. Interesting. And it I've only done it once because I usually don't buy such a big thick piece of meat, uh, but it makes the tenderest steak you can possibly imagine. Find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com, where we'll post the link to Kenji Alt's uh, weird steak cooking method. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spilledmilkpodcast. And uh, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The show that's always chasing the skirts and the flanks. Yeah. I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Walt Whitman. Uh-oh, I just burped. Um, <laughs> thanks thanks to the person who said we should eat during the show more often. <laughs> this is what you get. Yeah. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.